Howdy, friends. Listen, before we jump in, check this out. We've got some exciting news. As you know, Peter and I work for Bottle Rocket, and we would love for you to join our team. Listen, we're a work-from-wherever company, and we're self-managed vacation. Not to mention, you get to work with great people. Take, for example, Peter and I. It sounds great, right? So if you are ready to do the best work of your life, and join an extraordinary team. Hit the link in the show notes to see our current open positions and apply today. Our guest this week is a best-selling author and visionary businessman with an unprecedented talent for knowing what products consumers will clamor for. That's how he founded and led the sharper image to success during his 30 years as CEO. That talent is also what led him to invest in Tesla when he first learned of the company back in the early 2000s. Yes, that was not a mistake. The early 2000s when Tesla stock was a mere $10 per share. So it is our great pleasure to have on the show today, America's gadget guy himself, Mr. Richard Tallheimer. Richard. What an honor. This is cool, man. Oh, the honor is mine to be on your podcast. Thank you, Tony. I have, well, let me just start. It's a little bit of an anecdote, if I may. Late 90s, early 2000s. I'm, I'm more in my youth, right? I'm, I'm not necessarily a child, but I'm more in my youth. However, when I walked into one of the sharper image stores back in the day, there's nothing, there was nothing like it. And in my mind, I was giddy. Every time I went in, I was giddy. I felt like I was, I honestly felt like I was sort of stepping into the future, if you will. Like I was part of something that it was almost like a secret, like, oh, I, these gadgets. And anyways, I'm a total dork, Richard. So I'm kind of fanboying out if I, if I do say so myself. Anyway, <laughs> that well, out hey, of the Tony, way. I have to tell you too, because I remember my favorite product, which were those spheres that were totally closed off and had the shrimp in them. Ionosphere, great product. Oh, still my favorite. Still so cool. That's so so Richard, I think where we're going to start is just, you know, what kind of process did you go through when you were thinking about sharper image i mean there's such a, a, a multitude of products that you always brought to market you were oh and obviously right that experience has cascaded even after sharper image in your selection of really great and innovative companies that are actually having the right structures to succeed so if i think about tesla in the 2000s very different game than tesla today what's your process you apply to really look at something and evaluate, hey, this could be a good fit or this really will resonate with consumers? Well, I think whenever we choose a product to market, whether it's an object like the Sharper Image might have sold or whether it's a, an app or a program today, I always start with the question, what does the consumer think of this? Do they want it? And what is the price? Does it have a price-benefit ratio? So I start from the beginning looking at the other side of the equation from the customer's point of view. And that's how I found my first product. Empathy, really. Thinking of the customer, thinking of what they might want. How do you put yourself 
in those shoes? Where well, does, where, is, how does your mind go there? Okay, so this may sound a bit simple, but gee, it works for me. What I do is I just ask people. I go, hey, what do you think of this idea? And what would you pay for it? Or what's it worth to you? And I find that if you ask 10 people, after the seventh one, you get a trend going. And you know if it's desirable, if it's too expensive, if people want it. But you have to ask. And I think, you know, one cautionary point here is that a lot of people don't want to ask. They're afraid to be shut, you know, shut down, put down. But you got to ask. I'm laughing here because some of the things you're talking about are now, you know, common practice. When we do user research, we interview eight people because that's the right number of people to interview to get a representative sample based on science. Customer centricity is the word like of the last five years. But you were talking about this decades ahead of, of the crowd. How is that generally received from what I would call some of the more like conservative parts of the business world? Let's call that finance folks and us, you know, what did they think of your process and what was your response to them? Yeah. You know, I'll never forget if you don't mind me telling you this quick antidote. I went to a whole earth expo on the streets of San Francisco and I saw a line of people lined up to buy gel soles that went in their shoes. And I thought, this is interesting. So I made a deal with the guy to get the U.S. exclusive for retail stores for gel soles. I went into the Sharper Image store in a mall. I set up some chairs in front and a sign that said, hey, put a massage in your feet. Put a massage in your shoe with our gel soles. And so I found that very quickly, I learned we were making sale after sale after sale, one every 10 minutes. So I went back to my company, assembled everyone. I said, folks, we have one of the greatest products in our history right here. And it's going to make our company a lot more successful this coming year. And that was a tough year. So we needed a winner. And I pulled this gel sole out of my suit coat pocket and held it up. And there was total silence in the room. They <laughs> lost my mind. But I had already done the test and already knew this was a huge winner. How funny. Right to your point that you got to you know get some information to present to those executives and they may look at you in disbelief, but you know, what's happening. Has there ever, I'm, I'm curious now that you bring up that if you may think of one bomb, what's one of the products that you thought, okay, we got a winner. Cause we've all been there. Right. But that just bombed. Yes. And that was one of the few times where I didn't do any research. I just went on my gut that a briefcase with an alarm system built in so that if somebody took it from you, like in the airport or something, somebody mm -hmm. grabbed it, subway, the alarm would go off. I thought, man, that's got to be a winner. So I introduced this product. It doesn't sell any. No one buys it. I didn't do any research. I just trusted my gut on that one. And I was 100% wrong. I guess people were nervous. They didn't want it to go off in the middle of a conference room meeting and embarrass them. <laughs> right? Can you imagine? <laughs> That's funny. It kind of, I mean, wow. everything that you've said just highlights the importance and how paramount research is. And, and one thing I think we all now agree on, and Peter mentioned it, is you can get that research in an informal way if you want to by asking people, 
You could do it in a more formal way, especially with the internet, obviously. But get those answers at about part of the way through, you'll see the trend. So I, I want to shift gears for a second, because I think that things have so many constants remain true and so many things might have changed, right? Gravity is still gravity, but we have to live in a much more modified world. So if I think back, I think about the helicopters that one used to get a sharper image. And (laughs) then I like was very early on the drone game, the consumer drone side, right? When DJI was very early, Phantom 1 and Phantom 2, and you bought this drone and you flew it and it goes up 500 feet and you're like, how's this legal? What about this is legal? What are the laws here? It was a whole wide world. But if I looked, that was only probably six years ago. And we look at drone technology today versus six years ago, 10 times cheaper, so much more dynamic, so differentiated. The same wasn't true with those helicopters, though. If you were to take 10 years a period of time, those helicopters incrementally improved, but not nearly at the scale. So what, in your perspective, what are some of those factors that are unlocking such a fast-paced product evolution in the world we live in today? Wow. You know, there's some cliche that's floating around that says something like, there'll be more discoveries made in the next 10 years than the past 100 years. Mm. I hear that, I just go, wow, that's true. I'll never forget when Apple created their first iPod, the first MP3 player. And they came to Sharper Image and asked us to introduce it in our stores because they didn't have any stores. So they had the online sales. We had the retail sales of the first iPod. And when you think what a, what a sort of nowadays crude, crude little <laughs> low capacity machine it was compared to today, when you can just subscribe to Apple Music and have 40 million songs at your fingertips. So anyway, people were lined up every morning for the shipment to come into the store. 11 o'clock, the truck would come in, the 50 iPods would fly out the door in 10 minutes. And I thought, wow, this is a great product. So I started buying Apple stock, which back then was $7, but now it's split, so it's probably like $1. And I started buying that Apple stock because of that. And, um, Never look back. Still have the Apple stock. Wow. <laughs> oh, I wish I had that kind of foresight. Do you think, I don't know if you can answer this or not, but the, the sort of talents and skills that you have, the foresight, the empathy, the aptitude for understanding what people might want or need or what to invest in. Obviously, there's research. Obviously, there's a lot of experience there. Do you think any of it is from, like, were your folks like that? Were you nurtured that way? Were, were, they, were they into that? What was, like, well, it's funny you should ask. So my father actually was the manager in a department store that had a toy department. Back in the day, this is a long time ago, when there were department stores and they actually had a toy department. And every Christmas, I would work in the toy department selling toys. That was a fun experience. And I started to learn from that what people sort of were drawn to and what appealed to them and what was a, a good package for a product. So I did learn quite a bit. And that eventually did translate into helping me pick products. And now in my stock picking, we've sort of alluded to it, but it's sort of the same thing. I look at Tesla as a product. And would people want that product? And, and by the way, 
Tesla stock happens to be sort of at a recent year low. You know, it got up to around what twelve hundred, and now it's about eight hundred. So the stock is a terrific uh, investment, given that the product is such a desirable item. When when we're when we're in this consumer mindset, what are your thoughts around something like the metaverse, the barrier to entry? Do people really want it? Do they understand it? What can live inside of it? Is it a thing? Is it an it? What are your thoughts around the metaverse? Well, let me ask you. Do you believe that Mark Zuckerberg understands and believes in the metaverse? That's a great question. <laughs> that is so good. No. I actually don't think he does. I don't, I don't. When I think of metaverse, I think he has hijacked it. I don't, I don't, I don't think that, that what he is going to try to force into existence is what will be or is. Does that make sense? What are your thoughts? Am I off there? <laughs> Do you both feel that way? So I feel like Facebook's core model is degrading in a future privacy oriented world, especially as both Android and iOS change to a more privacy-centric world. I think people's time on platform continues to increase. So if we look at dating, let's just take dating as a proxy. Dating has never been more digital. So that's a really good indicator that people, especially younger people, are adapting to more informal and formal digital-first interaction mechanisms. All of that, to me, is a positive indicator that people will continue to spend more time online and they'll continue to integrate a digital or online experience with their in-life experience. But I do not believe that Facebook is well positioned to be the platform to provide that experience. I think this is a, it's the same as like AOL morphing into Gmail. We're in another one of those pivotal moments. Now, what have they burned? Like $3 billion in the last year on their meta? They've burned an extreme amount oh, of money. Wow. I have I no concept of where that money went. So maybe there's a lot we don't know. But just outside looking in right now, I think I always say, and I know I'm hijacking this answer, but I, we do want to hear your opinion as well. The metaverse has been around for a very, very long time. So I always look to EVE Online, which started in 2003, massive online multiplayer game, the game creators create the construct of the universe. The individuals create companies and groups and pirate groups. And there's, you'll hear this sometimes, EVE Online will have these starship battles where millions of US dollars worth of ships are destroyed to see who can govern the taxation system of certain stars. Now, I know this seems really odd and advanced in particular, but it demonstrates that people are willing to have physical currency engaged in a digital world drive engagement, and use rough constructs of core principles to create sub-communities in which they find fulfillment, energy, and enjoyment. That, to me, proves the model of the metaverse, but I have yet to see a consumer-friendly oriented version of the metaverse that lowers that barrier to entry so you don't have to have a VR headset, be a super nerd. And I'll, like, I'm not calling super nerd negative context. I'm calling it a positive context but really be a techie to adopt it. It needs to be very low barrier entry. And that's where people say Fortnite is like the first metaverse because they have such a large consumer base. But this is still like the 101 version in my mind of the metaverse, but it's not Mark's metaverse. 
makes perfect sense. I mean, everything you just said, I agree with. The only question I have is I remember so well when the sharper image wanted to, or rather I wanted to get the sharper image onto the internet. And I went to my board of directors and said, you know, we've got to create a website and go on the internet. And they go, you're crazy. No one will ever spend any money on the, over the internet. That's what they told me. No one will ever spend any money over the internet. So I guess my point is we've got to be careful. We tread lightly here and not rule out future possibilities. <laughs> I totally agree. And that is why, you know, maybe Peter and I have uh, not negative, but um, different ideas about Zuckerberg's plans with it. But I really believe in the metaverse. I will say that. And what that will mean and could mean for how we interact, how we buy products, how we live. Now, so, so <laughs> let me jump in. Let me jump in and ask you this. And this Please. reflects on our stock trading also. How much confidence do you have in Zuckerberg and Facebook meta for the future as a successful enterprise? 20%. I, it's an interesting question. The over-under here might be, <laughs> no. Uh, there's a lot of money there. And with a lot of money, you can do a lot of things. Even if someone's doing it better than you, you could buy them up. Um, or you could, there's- Apple's done, yeah, that's yeah. what Apple's done. They waited for somebody else to pioneer the technology. Then they've come out with a slicker, more expensive- better performing version that fits into their yeah universe. Google does it. So, Apple does it. Facebook yeah. does it. You know, the, the big, the big players there. Yeah. Different games though. Google. And I, I do not want to compare Facebook to Google and Apple. And Google is like an infrastructure company. Apple is a hardware company. Facebook is a social media company. And look at the migration of users from Instagram to TikTok. Like in two years time, Huge. I mean, young people don't even consider barely can you capture young people on Instagram. Isn't and that amazing? For, it's amazing. And so the same winds that blew fortune to Facebook could clearly start another way. And at some point you lose the power, especially because they're in constrained regulatory environment. I'm not implying that they're going to be regulated, but I'm implying they don't have the nimbleness they had when they bought WhatsApp instagram that would not That's ever happen again they That's would not the the federal government would not allow facebook to so they're a little more constrained than they were google and apple i'd be much less likely than against them facebook concerned i would agree look at that we agree is google something, peter is google experimenting with the metaverse product area it's hard to know what google is and isn't doing i'm damn sure they are yeah, I but they probably not. have it in their uh, Google X. Now that they're an alphabet structure, it's very easy to be opaque. Or investing a lot through GV, you know, who knows yeah. where they're putting yeah. their cash. Now, I got Peter. one more, Tony. I have one more. And Richard, we're going to have to have you back because we have so much to talk about. We're just at the beginning. But you have learned so much through your experiences, through your leadership, through your investing. 
sometimes today when it, someone is more junior in their career, they're coming into the, the world and they want to find their place. What advice would you have for someone like that? Right. Maybe in their first 10 years of their career, there's so much opportunity today. What would you tell them? You know, it's a somewhat of a cliche, I suppose, but I think it's uh, worked for me. This phrase, uh, management by opportunity. And what I mean by that is whether you're an entrepreneur with your own business or whether you're working for someone else, what you'll see is that opportunities come along and you have to take advantage of the opportunity and move your career or your business in that direction. And the sooner you try something, the faster you can fail. And the faster you fail, the sooner you can try something else that might be more successful. And this works in your business or your career, either one, the job or the company. You've got to look at opportunities as they come along. You've got to evaluate them. You've got to quickly decide to take advantage of it. And if it doesn't work, that's fine. Go to the next uh, idea or opportunity. That is sage advice, I will say. Banger advice. Now, Richard, I tell you, you really are the type of person that I could, I would just want to pick your brain all day. Uh, unfortunately, we can't. <laughs> but where can people go to find out more about you? Oh, thank you for asking. Well, three things real quick. One is the website, richardtalheimer.com. And it's hard to spell Talheimer, but T-H-A-L-H-E-I-M-E-R. RichardTalheimer.com has so much interesting stuff on it. There's two books out. One is The uh, Sharper Investor, the most recent one. The Sharper Investor is about translating this love of product into stock investments, whether it be Amazon or Chipotle or Apple or Google. Right now, I'm not invested in Facebook, though. Isn't that interesting? So we oh! <laughs> we just <laughs> skied right by. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, other, the other book, Sharper Image Success, is really a great uh, read as far as fun insights into everyday business. So both of those are on Amazon, Sharper Image Success and The Sharper Investor. And in the audio book, I actually narrate each of them. So that's sort of fun. Oh, cool. Well, I'll be sure to put all the links in the bio so people can click in and Go about and find out more. So these next two segments we have, one is the lightning round, and that's where we ask you a question. And you can only answer with one word, and we leave it there. We don't unpack it. Peter will start. I'll go. Then Peter will go for lightning round. Oh, I'm first. Oh, man. Yes. Tony, can you go first? <laughs> so here's how it'll go. I'll go first, then Peter will go, and then I'll go. <laughs> Okay, here we are, lightning round. Mr. Tallheimer, in one word, where do you see the future of investing? Gut. Gut. Oh, cool. Fascinating. I wish I could unpack it, actually. Oh, but... uh, yeah, we have so much there. Okay, so customer experience is very important. What emotion were you looking to drive for a customer that walked to a sharper image store? Satisfaction. Hmm. Excitement. Two words. There you go. Excitement. Okay, we'll give you two. Okay. okay. We'll give you two. And the last lightning round question would be, okay, we got advice for, you know, new or young folks trying to make their way, but if you could rewind 
to when you founded Sharper Inlet? What advice would you give yourself in one word? Persistence. That's a good one, Richard. See, that's why we have people like you on the, on the show. Knowledge bombs. Okay, here's the last section. And you can say more than one word and expound upon this. The question that we ask every guest, which is, what non-digital object or thing that you own or possess means the most to you or has impacted your life the most and why? I have so many, but I love my Harley Davidson motorcycles. They're fairly analog, even though they've applied digital technology to the instrumentation, but they really have not changed the look of the classic Harley since the forties. They've gotten a lot, you know, better and mine are gorgeous, but gee, I love them so much. I love that. How many Harleys you got there? So right now, two really unique ones. One is a 2018 soft tail deluxe. And that happens to be the most iconic look of a Harley with the big fenders, the solo saddle, the turquoise and white paint. Mm. It looks like a classic beach Harley. The other is a 2019 Harley three-wheeler called a trike. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Well, Richard, again, I think I can speak for both Peter and myself and the audience where it's been a real pleasure to have you. And I do hope that we can have you back on the show and pick your brain some more. So thank you for joining us. Tony, thank you. And Peter, thank you. And I think it's so interesting that I don't have any Facebook stock right now, even though I've got all those others, whether it's sales. And here we were (laughs) just crazy. Trust it. Yeah. Yeah. Until next time.